Drew Manning, the fit to fat to fit, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now currently the fit to fat to 40. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, you guys. <laughs> Excited to do this. I, <laughs> I've got, I got, I got to come out like my first thing watching. Do, so let's set up the premise for what sure. you're doing so people understand. You were an extremely fit person. I know because mm-hmm. we've trained together a little bit here and there. And um, you've been in this industry for how long? Fitness industry is a... Uh, 11, 12 years. Okay. So um, you did this before um, where you intentionally made yourself obese, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the first idea was what? The first idea was for me, someone who had never been overweight a day in my life, to gain a better understanding of what it was like to be overweight for the first time. Because mm-hmm. I grew up playing football and wrestling and a family of 11 brothers and sisters and we all played sports. And so I was always very active. And so I never once knew what it was like to be overweight. And then, so here I was a trainer, you know, uh, you know, like I said, never been overweight a day in my life, trying to help people who were overweight the majority of their life. And for me, I could tell there was a disconnect. Like I couldn't understand why they couldn't just follow the meal plans. I'm like, you guys just do like, do this. It's so easy. Go to the gym, put down the junk food. Like, why is it so hard? It shouldn't be that hard. And I could feel like there was a disconnect. And one of them told me, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is because for you, it's easy. And for me and for people like me, it's really difficult. So I went on this journey for six months of letting myself go, zero exercise, standard American diet, put on 75 pounds of pure fat. It was one of the most humbling, hardest experiences I've I've ever been through, but I learned so many valuable lessons from it. And that's where, you know, I wrote my book and, Mm -hmm. you know, created the TV show. Luckily got back to fit, but that was when I was 31 years old. And so that's kind of that journey in a nutshell. How long? So six months on the way to to larger. Yes. And underst- on the way to understanding. Yes. <laughs> um, and how long did it take to get back? Like, was it a relative? Was it similar? Like six months to get back to fit, or did it actually take longer? Exactly six months. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I planned it out, and luckily it happened the way I planned it out. But uh, yeah, it could have it could have taken longer for sure. But I got it six months and six months. Yeah. And, nice. and now you're embarking on, you know, something similar, but it's actually not similar at all. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you could say that you're just repeating yourself, but you're sure. actually not because you're taking into consideration age mm-hmm. and that comes with, I, I think that's a valid excuse when people are like, yeah, but I'm this age. And yes. you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're not 22 <laughs> where you, you know, incinerate everything like ethanol and yeah. it just burns through your pores yeah you're really having to deal have you noticed your metabolism slow down um well i'm only one week on my journey back to fit so i haven't really noticed yet as i gained the weight i will say this my pace was ahead of where my pace was when i did it back in 2011 oh okay so that that could be a factor you know gaining the weight quicker this mm-hmm. time around even though i didn't do it for as long if i i think i would have kept going for two extra months like i did the first time it, I probably would have surpassed that 75 pounds gained. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and how much have you, how much did you gain on this last, uh, install? Of- 62 pounds in four months. I- <laughs> <laughs> I- I- Whoa. I- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing all black today. So yeah. I can cover it up. 
I, do you know what's sh- shocking? It's like when I first saw uh, you're doing this again, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Jesus. This is like, <laughs> you know, I, at first it's like, hasn't he, hasn't he like, I thought you had all the empathy and stuff. Yeah. Like I thought you had learned your, your lessons. Um, and really what's shocking to watch was like the first two months, mm-hmm. right? Like I would see a picture and like even the first week, you're yeah. like, oh, no, you're not gifted. Like, mm-hmm. right. It's not just like your, your, um, genetic makeup that makes you an extremely lean athletic individual. It's actually yeah. work and adherence to specific guidelines and, a, a, and, and being having, I would just call it a conscious dieter, yeah. like noticing what you put in your mouth. And so watching those first couple, you know, weeks <laughs> where it was like uh, absurd weight gain, cause I'm sure at yeah. first it's fun. You're like, Oh, finally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a smorgasbord literally. Um, and then really quickly you see it hit this, like, can you walk us through just like, I don't know that the first, the initial. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, going from one extreme of being super lean, super fit, super healthy, you know, on point with everything to then jumping in eating almost 7,000 calories of processed food, which, Mm -hmm. you know, probably 70 to 80% of Americans eat, um, there was a big extreme weight gain those first couple of weeks because of the water retention, obviously. So 14 pounds in the first week, I think like seven the next week, you know what I'm saying? So it added up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that y- you saw the pictures, that was the, just the physical changes. And I, if, right. if you follow me on social media, you, you see me talk about the, the mental and emotional changes that happened during this process, these four months. So I went into this second journey a little bit cocky, I'll admit thinking, oh, I know what it's like. I'll, I'll, I, you know, I got this. It's not going to be that hard. And damn, I was wrong again. <laughs> Just that how, how hard it was the second time thinking like, oh, yeah, I'll have everything under control, but I didn't. And um, there was a lot of surprises along the way. Are you talking like specifically, and this is kind of how uh, me and Aaron, oh, by the way, Aaron's here. Sorry, yeah. I forgot to answer. <laughs> hey, Aaron. How's it going? Um, <laughs> we would talk about it and I'm like, oh my God, like the food thing is one thing, like the, the body image is one thing. Mm-hmm. The not training mm-hmm. is the real fuck you. Yeah. Like that's the real, <laughs> man, I process almost everything and we can actually get into the details of mm-hmm. that because it, it's pretty fascinating of, um, I mean, we could, uh, of what movement does for you psychologically. But was that, that was, you know, kind of a breaking point for you? Yeah, well, it was a huge part of it. And, you know, uh, movement exercise is therapy. It's uh, your outlet, it's your release. Not having that, my outlet became food, which is what happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the food creates this vicious cycle where, yes, there is a temporary, temporarily, uh, temporary relief eating some junk food. Because there's a little dopamine hit every time you have some ice cream or cinnamon toast crunch or Mountain Dew or whatever the treat is. (laughs) And to do that multiple times a day, you get these little dopamine hits. So for me, that kind of became my therapy. But with that spike in blood sugar, you get a crash. And when you feel that crash, your body doesn't like that. And it sends you signals to, hey, we want that high again that we get. And it creates this vicious cycle. And so instead of exercise, which is a healthy outlet, food becomes that outlet. And then it just makes you more and more miserable. It's almost like it's 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 the thing that helps you feel a little bit better, sure. but then it's also the thing that makes you feel worse. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very bad drug. Yeah. Given the access to the kinds of foods that we have yes. now. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that I think, I I think it's well known at least since you know the Greek 
civilization is that food is medicine, mm -hmm. right? It, like how we eat it and how we treat it can heal us and it can also kill us. Yeah. <laughs> if we're, and I think that that gets taken in, in from my perspective, uh, from looking at nutrition as an industry, and maybe you've mm -hmm. noticed this too, um, especially because we've been involved with some similar, um, I don't even know what to call it, some dietary industries, yeah, yeah. Uh, ketogenic <laughs> industries, stuff like that. Um, I noticed that there's this really interesting way about looking at diet depending on who's looking at it. So you have like the scientific side of it, yeah. which everybody wants to be at least somewhat scientific about their approach to nutrition, even though in in my, you know, not scientific opinion, it's 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 a pseudoscience in most cases because mm -hmm. there's too many variables to control what's going on. Um, but for the most part, the the things that you want to apply should be scientific, mm -hmm. except from that approach, it's really hard to falsify the health of something, right? Mm -hmm. in, 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 in most cases, you have people like uh, Dr. Lane Norton who are, you know, um, well-versed in the scientific approach to diet. They get very good results through controlling calories, uh, providing macronutrient uh, uh, ratios that set up different body composition <clears throat> for sports, all of these certain things. Yeah. The difference is, is that um, he almost denies any kind of acknowledgement, and this is this is true of Aragon and like all these other guys that are big into the scientific realm of it, they almost deny that there's an emotional quality to food. Yeah. And, and your experience really, I think, shows how powerful that that influence is on food because there's there's food, it, there's what it molecularly does to you, right? Yeah. I eat oatmeal. <laughs> and it has this much carbohydrate in it and it affects my blood sugar like this and my hormonal profile will shift and if i'm depending on my you know my my personal state yeah. um it will affect energy levels or gain weight or yada 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 all the all the stuff is known except there's also like how that food makes you feel yeah. now if your father force fed you oatmeal <laughs> as a child and traumatized you with something yeah you get an actual different reaction to the food right mm -hmm. um in which case that's something we can't really study all that well we yeah. we could probably set up a couple scenarios but it's next to impossible to understand the trauma or or, or you know the pacification that we get from certain foods given our history yeah um or just the trauma of cold oatmeal <laughs> of like sit exactly. at the table until it's done mm. like yeah dude i'm gonna win this competition <laughs> I, I, people think people think that like oh man and i would agree with you when you said cinnamon toast crunch that's yeah. probably the best cereal like, <laughs> totally 100 percent. hands you know? down it's so like so good you, you can eat it anytime have you ever tried putting on an ice cream Oh, someone told me to do that, and I didn't do that this time around, but I, I should have. If you crunch it up and <laughs> yeah. roll the ice cream in it, it's like oh, Mexican fried man. ice cream. That sounds it's delicious. delicious. Anyway. So you're making Sorry. me hungry. I got the, <laughs> the cravings are coming back, dude. I'm making it so much <laughs> trying to be healthy now. The, yeah, the, I, people talk about cereal being like, you know, man, it's just so easy. And I and I get it, but I had a traumatic experience with cereal growing mm. up. It does not affect me the same. Hmm. I can get rid of that like that. Wow. But there's other things that I can't because my emotional you know, influence from having those things, like my yeah. mom baking me brownies and stuff. Mm. There's just certain things that come up and I... What I don't like about the scientific, you know, what'll call the, you know, that side, because yeah. it is definitely a camp yeah. that denies, you know, the power of 
emotion in in food. I don't think they deny it. I think they just don't acknowledge it. Okay, because they right. can't quantify it. They can't measure it. They exactly. Can't right. Prove it scientifically. It's not falsifiable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that 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 might be the thing. It's just uh-huh. like, well, we don't know how to study it yet. Therefore, um, I like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna address it as an issue. The real issue is calories, or the real yeah. issue is micronutrients, or the real issue is like one of these things that we have a meter and a number, and it helps me feel, you know. Uh, or it's just their temperament. It's just like, okay, this is the lens we look through because we are scientists. Yeah, sure. And so this other component, yes, I have a primary relationship. <laughs> yes, I experience love and empathy and that mm-hmm. for, for people outside of my, but this is my work and this is the lens I have to look through Yeah, because it's how I'm trained. It's yeah. how my mind has been working for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That this is, you know, but it, where we apply value or whatever. Yeah, I think it takes out the human element of yeah. each individual being a different type of human and mm-hmm. you can't, there's so many different, like you said, different variables. And so this is what I was trying to do with this second journey is make people more aware of what you put in your mouth. Yeah, there's calories, there's macros mm-hmm. and macronutrients and, and, and vitamins and minerals and things like that that affect you. But there's a psychological response to certain foods because for some of us, we have trained our brains for a long period of time. When when we go through life, we, you know, um, you go through emotional, you know, traumas or triggers or emotional challenges. And sometimes for, I would say, majority of people, because food is legal, food becomes that numbing mechanism. Uh, some people might do, use alcohol or drugs or porn or sex or movies or social media. Or it's it, um, All of the above. I, I think yeah. It's, yeah, all of the above. But I was going to say is like, I think it's a way, for, um, one way for people to exercise some control yes. over what they are experiencing <clears throat> or have some influence. Exactly. Is um, rather than like, okay, man, I'm not using this to disassociate. I'm actually mm-hmm. using it to sort of influence or replace. Exactly. Maybe, but still. Yeah, maybe like they can't thing. control their situ- their circumstances mm-hmm. they're in or the way they're being treated. And yes. so this is one thing they can control. But I think what happens over time is as you train your brain to, you know, distract yourself from dealing with the emotional, mm-hmm. the heaviness of the emotions of the trauma that you're experiencing, food becomes that drug in a sense. And then all of a sudden they've wired their brain to anytime there's stress in their life or triggers or yep. those emotions come up, boom, ice cream, you know, cookies, wine, chocolate, whatever it is, that's what we gravitate towards. And yep. we can't figure out why we can't just be consistent. And that's why I, for me, like the fitness industry is totally missing the mark when we're all focused on macros and calories mm-hmm. and diets and which one's better and like scientifically trying to prove that you're taking out the human element because a lot of humans, like they don't really, they don't, a lot of people don't really care about that kind of stuff. I would they say majority don't people it, don't, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah, cool. If you could control your calories and macros to fit like, sure. But no one eats three-fourths cup of cinnamon toast crunch. The serving size is three-fourths right, yeah. cup, one hundred calories, whatever it is. No, when you're <laughs> when you're feeling some type of way, emotions, you're going through a hard time. That cinnamon toast crunch becomes your numbing mechanism in a sense, or it distracts you from having to deal with the emotions. And like I said, for some people, it's different substances. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to then break that cycle when you're trying to be healthy all of a sudden. So this is what I'm trying to teach people how to do this time around on the journey back to fit as they join me is like, yeah, we're gonna talk about diet and nutrition and uh, you know working out and supplements and all that's important. But the main focus is helping people um, learn how to be fulfilled from within, right? Mm-hmm. And learn how to overcome those mental and emotional challenges as much as possible. So people's perception of success in the fitness industry is, I need to lose this much weight and look, you know, this X body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get that, then I'm a a failure. And then people go through that cycle multiple times throughout their life of like not being able to achieve that. And like, what's wrong with me? Maybe it's the diet. Maybe it's the workout. Maybe it's this or that. 
I think that a lot of things that are, that are overlooked is the mental and emotional side of transformation in dealing with these things that are deep rooted, that mm -hmm. haven't been released yet. And it manifests itself in a physical form because we gravitate towards those foods that we've trained our brain to to use as that numbing mechanism. And so this is why I'm trying to bring more empathy to the fitness industry because people think, oh, dude, why do you eat so much food? Just eat less and work out and stop being obese. Like it's the same <laughs> thing as going up to a drug addict and be like, dude, why are you doing drugs? Just stop doing them and then your life will be better. It's like, well, duh, yeah, of course, I would love to, but people haven't been able to figure that part out. And this is why I think empathy can make a huge difference if people feel like they're understood um, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I truly honestly believe that. So you could approach someone with all the science and nice. all the statistics. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so this is why I'm doing this a second time because I feel like doing it a second time gives me an opportunity to get my message across That's awesome. of, hey, let's try empathy. Let's try it. We've focused on the physical stuff. That's important too. We're gonna do that too, don't worry. But let's focus on empathy first and see if that makes a difference, not only in the fitness industry, but maybe this world that's struggling right now with empathy, maybe it will carry over into other aspects of our life. And so that's my hope in doing this journey a second time. Wow, I, so. I love that so much. Um, what are what kind of coping mechanisms or coping skills are you putting out there for your followers? Yeah, so I have a list of, of like homework that people need to do that I have started doing as well. And I um, actually did it the week before I started my, my weight loss journey. And that was like a mental and physical preparation week. So uh, the the little things that I have people do are simple things like making your bed every single day, right? Just mm. create some mental discipline. Like do something small and little to train your brain to do hard things, little hard things. Because sure. not that that's not like making your bed is hard. But does everyone do it? Probably not. So mm. doing it every day creates this mental discipline trick where their brain's like, okay, I can do that. I can be perfect in this one thing. It's a small positive feedback. Exactly. Yeah. And then from there, there's a cold shower, 60 seconds minimum, you know, not, not too extreme, but something small, training the brain to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. And so my hope is that in that situation, it sucks to get into cold water for most Americans that live this life of comfort, right? Mm -hmm. um, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and then train your brain to be comfortable. And then my hope is that that carries over when you're meal prepping or you're having to eat vegetables instead of chocolate or having to go to the gym and do a workout, which is uncomfortable. Mm. You're training your brain through small ways uh, to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And then from there, it's meditation, uh, a gratitude list every single day, positive affirmations, these types of things to rewire your brain, to look for things to be grateful for and be fulfilled now, even though your body's not perfect. This is the problem is people are like, when I get this body one day, when then I get I'll this body, the <laughs> then I'll be happy. Then people will love me. Then I'll love myself. Happiness will be the result of achieving that particular yeah. objective. Yes, which perfect. There's been a, um, I mean, I don't know, it was probably 10 years ago now. There was a wonderful sort of, uh, story about a woman who said, I thought I, if I arrived at this place, I would have this other thing <laughs> and was very, very disappointed when she arrived at the physical objective mm. and nothing else had changed. Yeah. And I, you know, immediately, I mean, and we had a discussion about it. It's like, well, do you were, uh, cart horse <laughs> issue potentially yeah maybe well, we should have looked at this other thing in conjunction with so i um, it's almost worse like because oh yeah you're setting your your yeah. your aim on a horizon where you think that the gold is and mm -hmm. when you get there disappointment and nowhere else to look to go means that you dive delp like you you you'll sink deeper into whatever bad habits you have exactly um i i think i see this with um let's call them 
healthy people, quote unquote, because you'll see, you know, fanatical exercisers, let's call them CrossFitters for lack of a better term, (laughs) Um, where, you know, there's this idea, this arrival state, this enlightened state where you're the ultimate physical machine and you Mm -hmm. have the best, you know, body and you have all these other things. And um, that really doesn't help anybody when they actually achieve good number because it's never good enough yeah like there's no there's no amount of fitness or leanness or aesthetic appeal that will uh be able to mask basically a disappointing existence yeah um and that that, that's interesting to see because you start and the feedback from the Mm -hmm. training becomes as it becomes habit Mm -hmm becomes less noticeable. Like I'm not mm-hmm. getting positive from this thing anymore, even though I've arrived at my objective mm-hmm. and I still have to do all these things to sort of sustain where I am, but I'm not getting that that beautiful positive feedback that I got in the beginning when I, my, my deadlift increased every time I looked at a barbell. <laughs> or And maybe even worse is that people are looking up to you as you're the destination because you're lean and you can lift weights and you you know, you look a certain way, but you're actually extremely unhappy because you haven't dealt with the internal mechanisms of what yeah. you're talking about resolving. Yeah. So not only do you not feel good, you don't want to tell people they kind of you can kind of see it when people are like oh man i just wish i could be like you and they're like uh, they're like shaking their head unstoppable <laughs> yeah. like you yeah. don't want to be like me yeah. i don't like existing all that much yeah you know i i deal with my existence by working out hard and doing all these other things that fulfillment um th- that's a uh, that's a hard key to break because mm-hmm. now you're going into i don't know <clears throat> subjects and categories that we've we've gone into and in, in unprepared in some cases, but also realizing that all of this stuff is connected. You can't, you know, I, I can't just like rely on psychologists to understand what we're doing yeah. necessarily or other domains. You kind of, as a coach or trainer, you almost have to go into these domains that you're not ready to learn about or not qualified to be an expert in yeah. quote unquote. <clears throat> and, um, I think that's really interesting when people do notice that, you know, there's this whole stay in your lane thing and you can't really do that. If you're going to modify human behavior, you kind of have to dive into all of it. Yeah. And anytime I see somebody trying to address an issue and, and I see this all the time through, you know, different therapies, not that it, there's anything wrong with it, but addressing, you know, people might get into EMDR, which is a very helpful therapy, mm-hmm. but without addressing lifestyle behavior, like, uh, uh, yeah. like, just simple stuff mm-hmm. like how conscious of you are, are of your breathing pattern and most people are not most people they allow their breathing to just be a reaction to their environment which means most time uh, especially nowadays with the mask which we'll get to um they are slowly suffocating and with the lack of oxygen and the increase in co2 tolerance they're having like these minor anxiety attacks and they think it's just purely psychological when in reality it's like a physiological thing Mm -hmm. the same thing could be said i think of food like these minor inputs Hmm. that we think is helping is actually you know uh increasing or doubling down on the on the problem that actually we're trying to get rid of yeah um the mask thing is interesting to me because one of the first things I thought about, especially when you know organizing you to come here mm-hmm. um, to be a, a live podcast, was like you decided to get obese <laughs> during a pandemic <laughs> that's affecting so negatively. Like I mean, associated heavily 
is, was this considered beforehand and you, you made like a conscious decision to work through this? Yeah, 100%. So I, I had a doctor, first of all, monitor me throughout this journey just mm -hmm. to make sure I was being safe. Yeah, it, I, I t and I got that from a lot of people too. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why would you do this now? And now that it's coming to fruition, mm -hmm. people are like, oh, I see this is like perfect timing because mm -hmm. everyone's going through the stress of the pandemic, you know, emotionally, physically, mm -hmm. whether you have COVID or not, or you know people that have had it. Yes, I'm putting myself in a situation where I'm more susceptible to it. Luckily, you know, I, I was able to take care of myself and, and you know, stayed somewhat healthy. Mm -hmm. Obviously not, if you look at my, my blood work numbers, it was not healthy. But yeah, it could be, it could have been a dangerous situation. For me, I rolled the dice and figured it was gonna be worth it. Why? Because the emotional stress that people have been through has gained, has, a lot of people have gained a lot of physical weight during this mm -hmm. year, right? And now the here they are with a lot of, a lot of uh, 40, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> COVID 40 or yeah. 62, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, now they have someone, you know, their coach or their leader, whoever in the same situation as they are. And this is what's so unique about this is it's never really been done before where the person telling you what to do looks just like you mm -hmm. is in a bad healthy you know, situation, just like you. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's a different type of relationship where, like I said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I feel like there's a different level of trust. If I just had 5% body fat this whole year and just like looked ripped and shredded and like telling people, hey, put yourself, it's not that hard. You know, stop eating the junk food, it's not that hard. Instead, here I am telling people like, hey, this is hard. meal meal prep sucks. <laughs> Cravings are super intense. I'm emotional, I'm crying all the time. Mm. Um, my testosterone's really low, low sex drive. Uh, not sleeping through the night and everyone's like, dude, you're like, I see myself in you. And that's kind of what makes it a little bit unique and a little bit more powerful than just a normal, Hey guys, follow me, you know, in January to lose some weight and, but I'm already shredded. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm -hmm. a little bit unique and a little bit different approach. And like I said, I rolled the dice with it, had a doctor monitor me luckily to make sure I was, you know, healthy and safe. And I, I was for the most part, but, um, yeah. Yeah, probably, um, you know, you could look at it different ways for sure. You still have some, I'm sure, some panic, especially given the nature that, you know, a disease can cause somebody with your, you know, comorbidities. Yeah. How does that play uh, with your safety? Like, are you, do you feel like you're a little bit more, especially Utah is not, yeah. I guess it's not <laughs> the most shut down place. Do you feel like you're a little bit more aware? Yeah, I'm a little bit more aware, a little bit more careful for sure uh, most of the time. You know, I, I think only traveled. Uh, two times during the whole pandemic mm -hmm. and you know one of those places was hawaii which was very strict on mm -hmm. you know getting tested within three days of traveling there and and then since then i've gotten tested and you know luckily it's been negative every single time so yeah, yeah i did take extra precautions okay you know and I, I my my doctor tested me blood work and everything else once a month mm -hmm. at the at the minimum what well, there was a one one phase where we did once a week when i was doing the different diets oh right mm -hmm. keto paleo vegan vegetarian but the dirty version of those yeah he measured my 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 blood work once a week which was pretty cool this is something what, oh, go ahead. oh what moved your parameters the most out of all of those different diets just out of curiosity and i know uh, they'll be skewed because you were kind of <laughs> switching it was one i would say next. it was either vegan or vegetarian because a lot of people don't know that oreos are vegan but a lot of <laughs> vegans eat oreos because they are vegan yeah and they're like hey well that's vegan and a lot of people you know jump into these diets mm -hmm. kind of like hey if i do this magically i'll lose weight and get healthier 
I wanted to show people the pitfalls and mistakes that people make when they jump into these diets without educating themselves first. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, oh, I'm keto. So I can eat all the bacon <laughs> and butter and cheese all day long, you know? But yeah. for some reason, there's always fucking sweet potato fries in there. I can never for the life of me understand. For keto? Yeah. While you go, you go eat with like people who are quote unquote keto oh. and they'll get the burger with avocado and bacon with no bun. Yeah. But they always get the side of sweet potato fries. Oh. Like, I that was for my paleo. I did the sweet oh, okay. potato fries. I kept my carbs pretty low. Yeah, I kept okay. my carbs pretty low. On nice. you, so you actually did a keto diet. Yes. And what I would say is like most people don't actually do that. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they'll eat most of their meals high fat, and then they'll be like, oh well, you know, the most <laughs> of the day I ate high fat, so I'm keto, and yeah. then they end it with. Sweet you potato know, fries or with something. like you know 200 grams of carbohydrate yeah. and not uh, like unsuspectingly <laughs> sure and was, yeah. what we try to explain to people is like there's nothing there's nothing magical um there's there's good things about a ketogenic diet and there's negative consequences of eating in a very yeah. strict manner but there's absolutely nothing to be said for um, labeling your diet, it's yeah. the state that that diet puts you in that makes it the diet, which is different than other things. Yes, 100%. So I kind of like, you know, to Aaron's question, mm -hmm. I was, you know, um, so let's, I'll give you a couple numbers. So my baseline triglycerides before I started the journey mm -hmm. were 46. Then after one month of eating processed food was 246. No, <laughs> oh my oh, it gets worse. <laughs> and then I did dirty keto and it came down to 79, right? Oh, Cutting out the carbs. Yeah. Uh -huh. So triglycerides yeah. dropped. Paleo, which was hard to eat dirty because it's like yeah. it's it's the quality of the ingredients, right? So, mm -hmm. but I just ate a lot of like paleo granola and paleo bars and mm -hmm. lots of fruits, lot like a lot of fruit. And then my triglycerides went to one thirty. Okay. And then I did dirty vegan, and they jumped up to four thirty. Oh my god! I know my triglycerides. Jesus and then Christ. dirty vegetarian was even worse. They went up to five forty. Do Do you Whoa. think it's worse only because between vegan and vegetarian is because there's more food options? Yeah, it's more. There's way more food options like mac and cheese, yeah, yeah. bean and cheese burritos, anything with cheese. I had to get super strict on vegan, where I was like, okay, does this have eggs? Does this yeah, have yeah, butter in yeah. it? You know, and so you had to be very careful with things like that. I had to Google which sodas are vegan because some are like some are, some aren't. Soda. Yeah, soda. Yeah, lots of sodas are vegan. I know vegan. There's, only, there's only one. Uh, I think there's one line of Doritos that's vegan. The others have like uh, cultured pasteurized uh, milk. Yeah. Dehydrated yeah. milk. I don't remember like which one was. I think it's a, but... the Verde ones or whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, I only know because we, I mean, she was yeah. vegan. She was vegan for eight years. There is a whole subsect. A yeah. decade. Okay, and so you probably like researched, okay, which of these cheat meals are vegan? Or there's tons, like now there's tons of options. Vegan yeah. cookies, yeah. vegan desserts, you know. When so. I was vegan, there wasn't a ton of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was vegan 12 years ago now. And mm -hmm. like the market for vegan foods has just grown considerably since yeah. then. And so I was very like veggies. The one thing that you have to be careful with on vegan diet is the industrial seed oils. Mm -hmm. Like it's all industrial seed oils. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of unhealthy foods. So that's why I'm saying yeah. like, I did that. That was really dirt. I felt the worst during those two weeks, vegan, okay. vegetarian, yeah. mm -hmm. um, miserable. I would say paleo actually felt decent because mm -hmm. it's mostly whole foods, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Just paleo bars and paleo yeah. granola, stuff like yeah. that. Um, Which is a weird <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> exactly. Because that's what cavemen well, ate, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's they an answer. <laughs> like we say, like most of, there's whenever you restrict or you start to pay attention to food it's mm -hmm. probably a good it's a better thing than being unrestricted mm -hmm. in most cases just because yeah. you're paying attention so no matter what category you go down right you could uh, we usually use the example of like 
if you just eat foods starting with the letter R, you're going to have an effect. That's not that foods that don't start with the letter R are bad for you. It's that you're just limiting in some kind of arbitrary manner. Um, But eventually, (laughs) the market catches up with the trend, right? So when you first were vegan, fuck, it is so hard (laughs) to find food. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. 12 years ago, I can only imagine. So when you're like the diet phenomenon, it's like, oh, look how lean and skinny these people get. And you're like, yeah, the only thing you can (laughs) eat is they're walking around looking for food all the time. Rice and lettuce at a restaurant because the restaurant's like, we don't, they put butter in everything. Yeah, exactly. Once the market adapted and Whole Foods basically, you know, developed so many foods that were vegan Mm -hmm. friendly. Um, you see the weight follow that you see, you see, okay. And you see the same thing with paleo, like paleo was a great, one of the first diets that I actually did was obviously paleo back in the paleo for athletes days. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. And what I noticed was like, eventually though, there's coconut flour brownies and there's like Mm -hmm. coconut ice cream. And suddenly like the market responds and you lose the effect of the diet because the arbitrary nature of selection goes away. Um, it is phenomenal to me that like just seeing how you feel on each one, uh, is really interesting. Cause would you say that's because you were still quite sensitive and, uh, yeah. in the beginning and now you're probably not as sensitive. It could have been, yeah, it could have, you know, going from one extreme to another extreme, like mm-hmm. vegan was probably the one that was the outlier just because there wasn't a ton of protein, like, right. right? Just mostly carbs, mostly carbs, right? Like there was some, I had some vegan protein bars, which tasted awful, disgusting, <laughs> but like, so you know, it's mostly fruit and mostly carbs. Vegan or vegetarian allowed me some dairy. So I got some more protein. Paleo had a lot of protein for the most part. Cause you know, you can eat meat. Mm-hmm. Keto had a lot of protein, obviously, because you know, meat and cheese mostly mm-hmm. is what I ate and keto ice cream and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think go, I don't know how many grams of carbs I hit that week on vegan, but yeah, probably close to like a thousand. Oh, grams of carbs, right? Which is my a blood day. sugar was just like per, spiking per to 200. Holy yep. cow. Spiking to 200, crashing to 50, then feeling hypoglycemic what? and like, I need something and then just repeat that. And people do this for yeah. long <laughs> periods yeah. of time and then wonder why they're, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of baffling. I, I know you were trying to gain weight, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, than I was somebody, eating more calories, but. What I think is phenomenal is that, well, what if somebody, you know, for the empathy side of it, what if somebody is coming to one of these diets from like the place you're at now, which is a standard American diet, mm-hmm. and then they apply one of these diets and they go, oh, look, I can have that because it's vegan. or Oh, mm-hmm. hey, it's on the paleo list. And then they're like, well, that diet doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you're like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. yeah, if you kind of fumble fuck the diet into, yeah. you know, eating whatever I, you I mean want. I think only yeah. food starting with R or a letter <laughs> is almost just as viable do you know where yeah. it changes though because I can go like oh I can't have filet mignon oh it's red meat I can have that oh there we go ah, it's, yeah. it's, okay so <laughs> this is where it would it would yeah. change you would just yeah. start calling things different, different names things just because you wanted to and that's kind of well that's how I used the analogy originally it's like you just you just use the construct to get what you actually are desire and you're never actually um you're never paying attention to what the desire is Mm, uh this is one of the i think the big lessons uh when me and aaron this year did carnivore diet Uh for the (laughs) like for the first 30 we were just going to do it for 30 days yeah and one of the things that i noticed right off the bat was like oh my god with all that we know about nutrition 
and the things that we tell other people to do, I never realized that I was into the trap of only eating for pleasure, mm. which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, Yeah, but it is when that's all you're eating for. Yeah. Right. Like for sure. And, and mm-hmm. if you're unable to eat without mouth pleasure, you have a real problem. Yeah. Like that, that I think is one of the, I, I think that's what got me to shift and go, oh yeah, I need to look at food as in how it makes me feel. Not, mm-hmm. not in the, in the moment, sure. but over long periods of time. And I think, um, I had ignored, I'd gotten lazy and soft yeah. about it. Right. Like, oh, I eat these foods cause I've always eaten these foods. We, I think one of the biggest <clears throat> problems and maybe you've noticed this is that we, when we find something that works, we stop looking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. to some point, that makes sense, right? If it's not broken, don't fix it. But also, um, the body uh, adapts and it and it changes. And if we don't adapt and change with it, you're going to run into some problems. Yeah. Even if I've eaten a certain way for ten years, yeah, um, you should probably keep looking and keep like, okay, well, how could I how could I improve this? Because we're declining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we're not looking to improve, you're declining faster. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And that's why I think, you know, on this journey back to fit, my hope is to educate people on, uh, to become experimenters, like become mm-hmm. your own self experimentation. What works for you today might not work for you six months from now. And that's okay. Like mm-hmm. keep exploring, keep figuring out what, like you, you were vegan 12 years ago and now mm-hmm. you're carnivore. It sounds like, <laughs> so, you know, it, but it's good to switch it up. Is carnivore carnivore going to work for the rest of your life? Maybe. I don't probably, know. Probably, but probably not. not. Like I think humans were meant to, like you said, like yeah. adapt and mm-hmm. adjust to new environments and that's how we grow and progress. And so Absolutely. same thing with nutrition. And that's why I plan on doing those diets again, but you know, probably the, the healthiest way possible oh so you can go back through yeah and kind of show people what not to do yeah on the gaining weight phase and then also okay here if you are going to do these diets here's probably the best way to do them for one week at a time are you that's really cool are you are you aware of the potential for you to start you know building momentum on your journey back to being Mm -hmm. fit and experimenting with these diets even if it's in a clean way are you worried that any one of them even if you do it the best way possible will derail you uh, I wouldn't say it would derail me. If, I think if I did it for a whole month or did oh, it the right, whole right. journey back, possibly. But for one week to allow okay, my body right. to adapt, you know, just to kind of show an example. Like, yeah, maybe I won't lose weight or maybe mm-hmm. I'll gain weight on some of those weeks. Like that yeah. could happen. But for me, it's it's the bigger picture. It's like if I just wanted to lose weight in four months, yeah, I would, could follow like the same easy, simple diet with mm-hmm. no variation at all and get back to fit. But I wanted to make it as educational as possible you know, on that journey back to fit. How are you gonna, like the harder diets that you've explained were mm-hmm. like, that made you feel the worst. How are you planning on adjusting, say the vegan diet and the vegetarian diet? Yeah, so, uh, so the vegan diet is not gonna be, it's not gonna be keto, cause it's sure. really hard to do vegan keto. It's possible, yeah. but it was a lot of avocado, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually work with some people who are, you know, vegans and vegetarians mm-hmm. that are helping me with the meal plan aspect of it because oh. Yeah, that's not my area of expertise. So I'm ac- I'm reaching out to other experts in yep. those areas. Like, all right, here's how much protein I need. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I really don't care about the ratios of fats gotcha. and carbs. And I'm not trying to be strict keto 100% right. on the journey back to fit. So, lentils, yeah. so I have quinoa, all those meal plans. What's olive that? oil, lentils, yeah. quinoa, olive oil. You can yeah, like how would you, like really if you had good. to formulate a vegan diet, even though you're not vegan, yeah, and you had to do it for a week, it would probably be mostly whole foods, mm-hmm. X sure. amount of protein. Yeah. You know, I think um, in my own idea of how to do it, because we've played with, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of supplemental protein. 
Yeah. Like you're gonna have to rely a lot on. Oh uh, like, yeah, pea protein. Black meat, yeah, black eyed pea protein. You know what you should do? That would it's be terrible. really cool. Um, yeah. I still work with quite a few vegan clients. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think that it would be interesting, like maybe every day pick a different plant-based protein to try out and just mm. like like a different brand, a different brand or like or different pea protein, rice protein, yeah. um, soy protein, and just maybe talk about how your stomach feels. Oh, that'd be interesting. Well, I already know my son doesn't like pea protein. So yeah, yeah. Oh, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> there's a, so there's pea protein in almost every vegan like processed ingredient. Yeah. Like there's and it was just like pea protein or in my cereal or my yeah. bars or oh yeah whatever treat i was eating yeah <laughs> so bubble gut if <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. It correctly. there For was sure. another one vegetarian protein i couldn't really just gave me the sensation of having like a hairball in my throat oh really <laughs> like, hemp was, protein or i it could be yeah i don't know some people love hemp protein and like whatever you find that yeah. floats your boat i'm fine with I, I think the the analysis of how something makes you feel is really important yeah um and sure. and then not I am. Mean, some people are kind of insensitive, so or overly sensitive. I should yes. say, like yeah. they, if they feel like garbage all the time, it's really tough to take their opinion on something making them feel like garbage because yeah. everything affects them. Now. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. And training wise, yeah. now that you're back to training and you haven't trained for six months, right? Yeah, four months. Four months. Sorry. Okay, oh, sorry. Six months months on the first trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so four months you haven't trained. Yeah. Um. What was were you jonesing or by that time were you like afraid of it? Dude, I was I was scared because I've been having been through this before, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know what the longest period of time you have stopped working out for is, and then like starting over, probably like four days when okay, I broke my so elbow. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. It's like okay, imagine that <laughs> yeah. times you know a hundred or whatever. So not working out for four months and having done this before, mm-hmm. I know how hard that sucks. But this is kind of where, like I said, it makes me more relatable. It's me coming off my mountain, right? Because I'm mostly up here and like my clients are down here. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to get to the top. It's me coming down and be like, all right, let's climb up this mountain. Mm-hmm. It should be easy. And it's not easy. <laughs> like, you're like, damn, this is so hard. Like last week was my first week working out. My body's sore everywhere. Mm. I'm huffing and puffing. I'm feeling nauseous during the workouts. You know, I'm trying to do the workouts that I wrote out for mm. myself. And I'm struggling. I'm having to take breaks. Um you know, and that's just part of the process. And like I said, it makes me more relatable and I can relate to my clients because before the old version of me, before the first fit to fit to fit was like, dude, here's your workout. Like, why are you complaining? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This isn't that hard. Like, dude, this is easy. Like you should be killing this workout. And then now having experienced that, I'm like, okay, damn, it is hard. It's it's a lot harder than people think. And so I started out very slow, mostly just body weight movements. Um, you know, 20 minutes max is the mm-hmm. workout length. Is, you know, there's some breaks built in there. So it's not like, you know, hardcore CrossFit, like mm-hmm. all out every single time. It's like 45 seconds of work, 15 seconds of rest. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, not any heavy weight or anything like that. But eventually I'll get there. Eventually mm-hmm. I'll build up to that. But it's a it's another humbling part of the process. Um, you know, moving your body and exercising again and feeling sore. I did, I do miss... Th- the feeling of being sore feels good actually. Like it yeah. sucks, it's hard to move my body and motivate myself to go to the gym at six in the morning when it's freezing cold outside, but it feels good to feel my muscles again mm-hmm. because before it was just like flab. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and soft, yeah. It, very soft, And but I see why people get stuck. Like this is one of the important things that for me is really powerful. Like I can empathize with people why they get stuck because the idea of change mm-hmm. is like, dude, I have to work out and I'm gonna. Be, it's gonna be hard, I'm, I'm gonna be sore. And I have to, you know, reduce my calories, so I'm gonna have to feel hunger. And those feelings aren't 
comfortable feelings for, you know, most humans. And so we've built a life of comfort where like you could have air conditioning if you're hot or you get the heater if you're cold or your food is like perfectly in the, you know, right temperature in the refrigerator mm -hmm. and you could warm up your shower to the right temperature. Like we live this life of comfort. And so it's hard to break out of that life of comfort and do uncomfortable things, including exercise and eating less calories. So I get why people get stuck in this situation because maybe they're not like morbidly obese and they feel like they're on their deathbed because at me at my heaviest, yeah, I felt unhealthy. I mm -hmm. felt uncomfortable. But for some people, that's uh, more, that's, you know, the idea of change seems way worse. Yeah, way worse. Mm -hmm. And so I see why people get stuck. I really do. Cause it's, it's, it's more of a mental and emotional thing for them than it is just physical. Yeah. I thought about you a lot during your process. And I think I reached out a couple times and, and said like, how are you feeling emotionally? How are you doing mentally? Yeah. Right when you started this process, I basically tore every ligament in the top of my foot. And um, oh, just right out here running with Michael, I fell into a pothole and rolled my ankle really bad. <laughs> and like I came into the gym the next day and I was still able to do skier. Like yeah. I was still doing things. And like I was, I really struggled emotionally with mm -hmm. that whole process. Of, like it's still kind of jacked up. I haven't really like lifted a ton. Yeah. But I think that you're process is so relatable to people not just who are heavier or who have you know weigh a little bit more i think it's really useful for people who are stuck in like maybe an injury or maybe they got covid and they still can't train it six weeks later like yeah. jumping back into it it's tough yeah um and so yeah it was kind of cool to watch you go through that process because in my head i was like <laughs> all right i still look pretty good but I can't do the things that I once was able to do. Sure. I've had a lot so. of other athletes tell me the same thing. Like the only thing they could compare it to is like when they got injured and yeah. they mm -hmm. couldn't do the same exercises because that is your outlet. That's your healthy yeah. outlet and your therapy and not having that, it, it, it messes with your mind. It messes with the chemicals in your brain a little mm -hmm. bit. And so this is what the whole journey is about is bringing more awareness to how much of transformation is mental and emotional for people. Yeah. If everyone could just eat less food and work out every day, we wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> why Why can't we do that? Because there's so many different variables with every single different person in the, in the world. Yeah. And it, it's way more of a mental and emotional thing for people. They think it's physical. They're like, okay, I'm going to do this, this journey. I'm going to lose weight this year. They think it's just physical. But until, and then two, three weeks sure. in, they're realizing, Their body why can't I stick that. with this? I'm trying to willpower my way through. I don't have that willpower. And Well, I can't get up at six. <laughs> so I'm not doing it. I just want yeah, to bet exactly. at five. Yeah, well, exactly. So this is the this is kind of interesting. Said, if if only you know the entire population could fit into this generic situation, everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, like nothing that has ever existed. Like everything takes some nuance, and I think that's really interesting. I I usually see it the and I you know admittedly used to be this way. As you meet trainers and coaches, the the more um, I want to say I, I want to be like fair uh, and say like give a, a nice actually demonstration of what they're like, but there seems to be an aggravation with most trainers and coaches on the compliance of their. Um, students or yeah. clients right like this well god they don't even do what i say yeah or like they duh they're not even doing the thing or i've told <laughs> them a million times and as i've gotten more mature as a coach and a trainer it's always become oh they're not doing what i say because i'm really terrible about 
how to say it. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving good instruction, which mm-hmm. is why they're not doing it. So you're right in the in the fact that like the more you want to affect somebody, the deeper you want to affect them, the more you have to relate to them and understand their process to yeah. get that. Like that is the art, the art of getting somebody. You're not you're not even getting them to do it. Um, <laughs> And I don't know what the word is. You're guiding them basically to do the thing that they said they want to do. And the part of them that said they want to do it fights the part of them that doesn't want to do it. And so you help them negotiate that territory. Essentially, that's your job. Yeah. Um, I've always found that really fascinating. I think that's the part that like has always interested me about transformation Mm -hmm. in the first place. And also kind of what you first hit on that this point that I think goes over people's heads is that they think it's a physical process, yeah. right? They think <laughs> if I work out, then I get this result. Yes. If I eat this, <laughs> then I'll look like this. Yeah. And really what you're talking about is depending on like, you need to change the way you think about yourself, right? Yep. yep. Um, no matter where you're at, you kind of have to, and I don't want to put the super positive spin on it because we're not necessarily those kinds of people, but it, it, you do have to reflect on your self-honesty. And I think when most people are honest with themselves, it's actually pessimism. Mm -hmm. And that's not honesty. Like where you're at and what you're capable of are two totally different things. I've put myself in this position with my past behavior, which might seem negative, right? I've used food as a coping mechanism. I haven't done exercise because I've put my energy into my family, my work, my et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a million different things that I put energy into that actually reflects that I'm not lazy. It just shows the importance. Yeah. But I've ignored probably the most important investment that I could have made. It's really important to have a home and a family that's secure. So work makes sense there. But if you're not healthy enough to survive the success that you, you know, uh, have built for yourself, yeah. it was a bad investment strategy. So the realization I think for most people is realizing like my health is the biggest investment I could actually ever make. And with that being said, there's no good definition of health yeah. other than a lack of disease. Yeah. Um, and there's really no guaranteed way to lack that disease. You could be the healthiest person on the planet <laughs> and boom, brain cancer. Yeah. For some odd reason. Now, there's probably a reason. Mm-hmm. We just, it's so vastly, infinitely variable that we don't know what caused it. Um, so we think that we're just, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, at the fate of the gods Yeah. in most cases, right? So yeah. a lot of people, I think, um, they don't think they have any control. And so they mask their control through little heuristics here and there. Yeah. Um, but I think like what you described as little wins, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. make your bed, do this kind of thing. Yeah. I think that starts to illuminate how people could have some control over their lives. Even if we don't have control over whether we live or die, yeah. we have some kind of input on the quality of life that we have yeah. until that unfortunate day. Exactly. And I think the the second part of that process is from there shifting their perception of what success looks like. So like Mm. you said, people are like, if I do X, then this will happen, right? If I do the exercise and eat healthy, I should lose weight. Mm -hmm. And that's where people get into trouble is they weigh themselves every day. Mm -hmm. And they're like, my weight went up, but I ate healthy yesterday and I worked out. What the hell? You know, and they're like, this isn't worth it. Why am I doing all this work for no results? People do the, this process to get the results thinking Mm -hmm. if I get these results, my life will be better. 
Instead, my hope is to get people to instead let go of the results for just a minute, just for a second, learn to fall in love with the process because you're worth it. Because, hey, eating healthy food, it makes you feel better, right? Right. Right. Working out, even though it's hard in the moment, makes you feel better because you're stronger. Do the process because you're worth it, right? Instead of hating yourself to skinny and saying, I'm going to do this process, which I hate and it sucks to get these results, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what most people are trying to do. If you could flip the script and say, hey, it's about falling in love with the process because you as a human are worth to be a healthy individual. And then guess what? As you fall in love with that process, you stay consistent with it. And then before you know it, you look back and the results are actually coming naturally instead of when your focus was only on the results. I would say you should fall in love with the process because you are a process, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that, life that is would, a process, right? right. <laughs> you as a, as a thing, you're always changing and doing these things. And if you actually kind of have an affair with that idea, they're like, oh man, I like, how can I influence this change? Yeah. Now I'm a part of the process as opposed to just observing in my little brain, myself falling apart, not thinking that I have anything to do with it, which I think is, yeah. A lot of depressive anxiety symptoms come from that idea of observing myself failing as opposed to being in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. It's it's super fascinating to watch. I I don't know. um, I I mean, do you feel like your reach in the thing that you're doing is is being broadcast enough or like you're reaching you're getting good feedback. You feel like the kinds of people that needed to hear your message are hearing it, or do you wish that, uh, is there, how, how do you think you could make this idea bigger? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel, I feel like I did a good job this time around. Cause in 2011, when I first did it, social media wasn't what mm-hmm. it is today. Like, mm-hmm. so there was only Facebook. There wasn't like Instagram live or mm-hmm. Insta stories. Like, so this time around, people were actually able to follow every single step of the way, like every day, what I was eating, what mm-hmm. I was experiencing. So did it make a dent, it, you know, in the in the in the grand scheme of humanity? Maybe not. But for a lot of people, I definitely feel like this time around, the things I'm talking about that we're talking about here are sticking with people and hopefully creating that change or a spark for change. Like, hey, Drew's taught me to look at myself and success in this industry through a new lens and now I have a new perception of what success looks like for me and my hope is that that kind of carries over will I ever do this again I I said I said I never would I said I never would back in 2011 I'm not gonna say I'm never gonna do it again but for some reason there's something about doing this that catches people's attention Mm -hmm. people are like whoa what is he doing they watch it like a like a bad car wreck or something like Mm -hmm. they can't turn away from it and then my hope is that then they start consuming my content. They start listening mm-hmm. to what I'm saying and they start digesting that. And then from there, hopefully change will happen. There Maybe there will be more empathy. Maybe the person will realize, hey, this is more of a mental and emotional journey. Maybe it's not just about calories and macros. And maybe it's not just about getting the body. So it's hard to measure that. Is that really, ha- is it being broadcast the way I want it to or is it catching on? I don't know. I'm just, I feel like this is almost like my, my calling uh, in mm-hmm. a sense to do this crazy journey which not a lot of people do unless you're an actor and you're getting paid mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. <laughs> gain weight for a role. Um, it's, it's, it's very different. It's very unique, but you know, I, I don't, I, it's hard to measure that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think I, it's um, I think uh, we have a hard time understanding it too with mm-hmm. written yeah. stuff that we put out, how we affect people. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I don't <laughs> know. Like why, why are we torturing ourselves? And every once in a while we'll, we'll get a, 
snapshot of the people that you affect. And yes, even if it's yeah. just a couple, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's totally worth it. No mm-hmm. matter, no matter kind of what the thing is. Um, God, I had a question that now I kind of lost it. I forgot It'll where I was at. Here. Does it have to do with cinnamon toast crunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In what other scenario? <laughs> oh, here it is. Um, so <laughs> you, as somebody who like, let's say you're obviously going to get back to being fit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that is a huge difference. Yeah. Right. You know, you can do it. Yeah. And this perception of your ability is a very different thing. I think a lot of people have excused um, their lack of success as um, an inability to do it. I, like I don't person. know that I can do it. I've never been there right. before. Yes. I don't have. And I'm, and it's an, an, another interesting piece of that would be like, okay, how because of the psychophysical memories that you have of mm. being fit and what that took a long time, like it, I just go, oh, well, it will, it's, it will be much faster to return to in mm-hmm. a way, just um, th- because the, the you know the, the patterns and the habits are, are are known, and you know that you can do it, and you've done yeah. it for for a long period of time, and I and and to be able to communicate like yes, I'm in this position, I have an advantage, I know where I'm mm-hmm. going because I've already been there. Yeah. You who are following or observing this may never have been there. Yeah. You know, you might have been that poor, you know, had, had, you know, upbringing wise that like you've always been in this condition, decided to try and change it. And you'll have to recognize that it's not going to be 4 months back. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. be 6 months back for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um and that's it, it, it is how it is. Yeah. Um but but I th- think accurately communicating sort of all of the steps along the way towards a destination and then mm-hmm. redefining that destination yeah. for people has got to be like a magnificent challenge in communication. 100%. And like, that's the thing people, when they don't know who, who I am or what I'm doing, they see a picture of me. They kind of make a quick little judgment like, Oh, yeah. oh well dude, he's mm-hmm. going to get back to fit because muscle memory, mm-hmm. he's got yeah. the knowledge, the discipline. And I agree with that 100%. Like I, tell my followers all the time, like, don't compare your results to mine. My body has been overweight for four months. Your body's been overweight for X amount of years or decades. And so I don't think it's going to look the same. Yeah. That have <laughs> developed, you know, lifestyle habits that have developed um, in conjunction with or around that extra weight. Like yeah. it's, so you're changing little things. It's like my bed, make my bed, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, cold shower, meditation. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 easy there, Thunder. Uh, I'm just slowly, finally recognize that I'm obese. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it does take a lot of communication with my audience and my followers. I think most of them understand that part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing that's so interesting is like, I went from one extreme of being super healthy, super fit for a long period of time to then the other extreme of being, and, and I'm like, man, get me out of like i can't wait to get back mm. to feeling healthy like for me i know what that feels like yes. for other people that is their norm like the, like when i was unhealthy like i was like man this is so hard that's so hard they're like dude that's my everyday life but they don't really know what it feels like to be the other extreme so they're doing all these hard things and they're like where's the results i don't feel great you don't feel good after two weeks of eating healthy food and exercising like it's not like all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh this is amazing if people could really experience it and know what they're missing, yeah. I think that would help them push themselves harder. Like, I can't wait to feel this, right? Cause we describe it, but they're like, yeah, I don't feel that bad. Like I, I can still walk, I can still move my body. I can still, <laughs> I still feel somewhat, I can still breathe. 
people don't feel that unless something really bad or extreme happens, like mm. they get you know a stroke or something really bad, right? Then they're like, okay, now I need to make some changes. Yeah, I need something drastic. Yeah. Th this is something I mentioned with a friend of ours, Chris Warden, mm -hmm. um, who's- Not to drop names or anything. To, <laughs> who, well, he's been, he's been yeah. on the show a couple of times and he's a really yeah. good friend, but the last time we kind of, I guess it was some sort of intervention. Because although he's a fit guy mm -hmm. and can do some phenomenal things, he has never looked the way he he's wanted to, and that was one of the things that he said. Is like I can't, I can't envision the benefit mm -hmm. past the pain of doing the thing. Yeah. Right, right, like so, there's yeah, this like where this discomfort. Like it's not that he's the guy's rode like a six fourteen two k. Discomfort is not something that he shies <laughs> away from. It's just the benefit of being in that discomfort. Yeah. Right. Like. It, the difference being like, man, if if I take this cold shower and I do some, you know, meditation drills that are kind of yeah. uncomfortable and I feel, man, I feel better throughout the day. Yeah. That, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. If you just hook up an electrical signal to my hand that buzzes every 15 seconds and it like, God, it, fuck, this is irritating. <laughs> There's no, like, that's how they're viewing it. Like, yeah. that's how a lot of people, they like, man, I just don't see the immediate benefit. And yeah. that kind of the second part of that question is like, you know where you're going, but actually where you're going probably isn't where other people see you're going. So we already kind of talked about the superficial part of fitness, being yeah. lean, awesome. Yeah. You look super jacked. Yeah. Um, it's useful for what pictures like <laughs> yeah exactly. then okay you're like a fire breather in a crowd okay so you put your name on the board and everybody respects you or you can you know deadlift 500 pounds mm -hmm. all of these things are inherently not worth very much yeah but there is something there that you're seeing that maybe it's psychological emotionally what's the thing when people say get back they're talking about the superficial part when mm -hmm. you're saying get back what are you saying? For me, it's getting back to feeling healthy. Like mm. the feeling of being healthy is what I miss the most. Like if I, if I, let's say I, I don't get back to 8% body hair or whatever mm -hmm. I was, like I could care less. The first time I did it, I probably cared more when sure. I was younger. Now that I'm older, I could care less. Like the feeling of being healthy, like sleeping mm. through the night, you know, hormones balanced, you know, good, healthy sex drive, you know, not emotional, you know, all those, all those things that come with being healthy that's the the feeling of that for me is what i miss the most like mental clarity better digestion mm -hmm. all those things that that come with you know, living a healthy lifestyle for me that's what it's about right i think for other people yeah they put their focus on i need to look lean the problem is that our society we buy into this myth that our society and culture has created like hey you are more valuable if you have x percent body fat and if mm -hmm. you have a lot of body fat society labels you as something else and that's unfortunate and it sucks it's our choice to buy into that or not mm -hmm. you know and it's really hard because if you're teased as a kid or your parents tell you you need to lose weight or whatever that that's hard to break you know because like, i know it's a myth but society is really powerful powerful our culture is powerful like we buy into all these norms of what we're taught is right and okay sure. for our society and if you don't follow along with those, like you're kind of an outcast and a lot of people care about that, uh, you know? Where do you see that? I mean, where does the, let's talk about the, the conversation of like body positivity, mm -hmm. you know, being comfortable with yourself. When does that shift for, you know, just in your opinion as, as Cosmopolitan just released, yeah, I saw that. you know, basically an, an obese woman on the cover of it. And not that a, a magazine could do whatever they want, but the statement seems to me yeah. 
that it's highly irresponsible. Yeah. Especially in an age when so many other things, i.e. a virus, yep. is affecting people that would be in that state. So it's not that um, it's not saying that you can't choose the life that you want and look the way you want. That's absolutely up to your mm-hmm. discretion. Life should be free yeah. Yeah. as much as possible. Um, but selling it is a different thing, right? Sure. Accepting it is one thing. Mm-hmm. Selling it is a totally other. Do you, Where's the line for you, at least with self-acceptance and body positivity and then as a, you know, a health problem? Yeah. That's a really good question. It's almost as irresponsible, too, to do the opposite, where right. someone's with 5% body fat and telling people this is healthy. Exactly, 100%. You yeah, know what I'm saying? It. So, like, the sure. opposite could be said in the same situation, where why are we defining health by the the so the the someone's body image mm-hmm. like why is that the definition of health all of a sudden so it can be irresponsible for sure i think what it comes down to is self-love and i think there's a difference between self-love and just kind of like being okay with whatever you look complacency. like complacency exactly yeah. if you're eating healthy food and you're taking care of your diet by eating you know i would say majority healthy healthier food more healthy food that's i would say less processed that's real food that is food that you know that came from this earth mm-hmm. for the most part that if you're eating that kind of food and you're moving your body in a way that feels like exercise to you whether that's you know zumba or swimming or biking or yoga whatever it is i could care less what their body looks like sure you know what i'm saying like i think society puts these standards we've gone really far to one extreme mm-hmm. and now i think society's kind of fighting back saying well why can't this be healthy too and well, i think that like I- if you go to those extremes that's where it gets intense. It is but, called the fitness and health industry, and that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But I also think that if you're eating in that fashion, then your body will follow. Yeah, for the most part, for the most part, right? They're yeah. Naturally, most people will look healthier at a skinnier, lower body fat weight, yeah. right? So are, are we looking at, um, uh, this is the tough part mm-hmm. for me, because it, one of it is cultural perception, uh, which is a little bit ridiculous. You show a guy with 3% body fat mm-hmm. that's dehydrated himself past the ability <laughs> to be conscious except for yeah. the picture being taken. Yeah. And you're saying like, you know, do this and you'll look like this by summer. And then the opposite, <laughs> it, like the the opposite messaging to mm-hmm. counteract that is, you know, hey, if you weigh 400 pounds, but you're happy, yeah, you're totally fine. Yeah. Um, both of these are kind of a, uh, to me, a symptom of something else that is going on that's misunderstood. And that, that is like, how do we actually define health? Yeah. You know, what is, obviously it's psychological, it's physiological. In some cases, it's spiritual for some yeah. people, right? They have this, um, their existence is healthy, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And that encapsulates all of the things that make a human. The, the problem, I think, um, that I'm finding isn't that people want to be obese or are stuck being obese or yeah. want to be super skinny or are devastated, you know, by bulimia or any of these eating disorders. It's the fact that we're going to run into a time probably where we have a third party, i.e. a government telling us what healthy is yeah, in order yeah. to rein in some of the problems that are affecting us, yeah. in which case being from an industry of health or, you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. health and fitness, um, which I don't think uh, go together mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, I, I think we better figure out a way to define it so that 
somebody who is unhealthy can't define it for us. Yes, I agree with that. Because <laughs> that's what's scary. Yeah, if the government starts saying, mm-hmm. okay, no more meat, we're going to go right. plant-based, the whole country's got to go plant-based. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I could definitely see that being really, really bad. And my hope is that that doesn't happen. It's really hard to define what health looks like on every single body, mm-hmm. right? Is, hey, if you're above 25% body fat, that's not going to be healthy, right? Sure. Like at what point, like where do you draw the line? So I think that's what's really hard for people. Mm-hmm. I think, look, I, I was I was trying to, to say when it comes to self-love and you treat your body with kindness because you're worth it, not because you you have to, you're like, okay, I got to look this way so I fit into society. But like, man, I want to treat my body with kindness and love. So I'm going to feed it real food. I'm going to exercise in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I might not have 5% body fat, but generally like your body will be, you know, a lower weight most likely if you're eating whole foods and you're exercising every single day and you're doing that, you know, out of a place of self-love. Self-love isn't, oh, eat whatever you want to, never exercise at all and just yeah. be body positive with whatever my body looks like. If you're not even taking care of that body that you're in, mm-hmm. eventually that health is going to spiral downwards and you're going to be limited at some point of what you can and can't do and you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life and yeah. is that real freedom? You know, yeah, I I find the uh, for me it's a hard subject, um, especially well, and that's what we like talking about. So it comes yeah. up, <laughs> I guess, is like things that are hard to work through. Like they're really hard problems. I think especially this year or last year, twenty twenty, being involved is you have um, a government telling us how to be healthy without recognizing what it is so we're we're told the most superficial way and i'm not this is not against masks this isn't against any of the mandates it's the fact that people who are unaware of breathing are now covering their breathing Mm -hmm. and people who are unaware of being you know in sunlight are told not to go out in sunlight and in fact stay in your home and eat more like (laughs) and now on top of this we have a message of body positivity yeah um and so although I believe that extremes usually need other extremes to balance them yeah. out, this doesn't seem to be going anywhere useful. Yeah. Um, to date, we haven't had really any institution that we can trust come out and say, for the general population of America that is you know, more than overweight, it would behoove you to lose a... 10% of your body weight in the next couple months. Yeah. Um, how to do so is up to you. Yeah. Maybe you, you do a vegan diet. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you just limit your calories. Maybe you count macros. Yeah. Maybe you walk more, maybe whatever means does not matter. Yeah. But the overall goal is to actually kind of, uh, you know, limit the spectrum of, of, let's just say body fat. Cause that's, yeah. that's kind of the only thing we can go off. That's really a marker for some yeah. of these other problems. Um, and because that hasn't happened, um, well, A, because there's not an organization, I guess, that we can put the word trust in either. Sure. Um, <laughs> I find like the yelling starts, right? And, and I don't think, and maybe you notice this over the internet because maybe you are you know, on the bad side of some commentary mm-hmm. from somebody who just doesn't give a shit and they <laughs> you know, want to sure. say whatever. And I think... No one in their right mind would ever confront the lady that was on front of Cosmopolitan and call her a fat fuck or like be, you know, in fact, most people would just be like, hey, I'm really concerned that you're in a bad position. Yeah. And 
because the internet is the way it is, nobody's saying that like that. They're just saying this is disgusting, this is whatever. And you're, yeah. the internet is kind of perpetuating the fact that people are not, as you say, empathetic towards mm-hmm. the situation. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is that something that you deal with in your journey and your people that like this is where it's led you you know, with, with your thoughts on self-love and appreciation for the situation yeah. you're at. And is that kind of the same idea you've have about fitness in general in the yeah. industry? It's a good question. No, mo- my demographic, my audience, you know, realizes the importance of health. And so like they're on this journey with me doing the things that I'm doing to better their health, like 100%. Um, Obviously, I think some people, when they get upset at themselves that they're not lo- they're doing all the things, mm-hmm. right? They're not losing the weight. They're like, I don't see any weight loss. They get, I would rather them keep doing the journey, yeah. even if they didn't lose any weight at all. Yeah. But they're doing these healthy habits. For me, like I, I don't, I, I try and explain to them, like I know you're putting a lot of value and emphasis on weight loss, mm-hmm. which is what our society tells us to do. But if you're doing all these things that I'm mentioning, you're eating the meals, mm-hmm. uh, the whole food, you're exercising, you're you're moving your body, and you're you're meditating, you're doing the gratitude list, like all these healthy habits, like I would rather people do that and maybe be a little bit bigger, even, like for whatever reason, maybe they 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 have a harder time losing weight, maybe it's hormonal, maybe it's the environment they live in, maybe it's their stressful life or they're not sleeping mm-hmm. through the night, maybe it's a million things that we don't know, but if people society is doing these healthy habits. For me, at that point, how am I to determine, like, hey, you still have to lose weight. Right, if your right. blood work looks good, if if these other markers, like maybe there's some other markers we could throw in there that are quote-unquote healthy, you know, why do I care if that person has, you know, an extra 50 pounds of fat? Now, most likely, if they're doing these healthy habits and One they stay consistent, the other, yeah. exactly, they're probably going to lose weight eventually. But I don't want people to give up on this lifestyle just because they're not seeing the results. That's and then really go back point, to body yeah. positivity and love themselves and say, well, this is just the way I'm going to look. So I'm going to eat pizza and donuts. Which you know? usually isn't, I think, what it looks like, right? To yeah. say, to say like, I'm fine with myself and I'm this and I'm that is usually just another coping mechanism, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. I can and, see and, that. and not to say that you can't, like, that you can't be bigger, you can't have some body fat on you yeah. and be totally healthy. That is a possibility. I think you're right in the fact that when people pick a destination, they quickly get disillusioned with the metrics part, which is yeah. which is a it's a bad part of science. I was going to say, which is understandable. It's totally understandable, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, I'm aiming yeah. for this thing. People say it'll happen when it doesn't happen. It's kind of a uh. Yeah. But you're right in that it is not that de- we we keep saying that the destination is unimportant. Yeah. Right. And that your actions and your behaviors are really what's influencing your mind and your mm-hmm. behavior. And eventually everything will cascade into a positive direction. If you just trust this process. Um, I, I think it's, it's probably worth noting that a lot of our clients that come in here who have massive goals, whether they're athletic goals or, you know, transformation goals that we yeah. might work with somebody who's losing 70 to 80 pounds. Mm-hmm. We understand having done this process a lot is that halfway through, you're probably going to have a different destination in mind. Mm-hmm. Not that you're not that you're complacent and that yeah. you're like, oh, well, yeah, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. It's actually the opposite. You see what's actually possible. And then you look past what you thought was going to be good, which is most people want to be lean. Most people want to look a certain way. Yeah. But once you feel what you're physically capable of, the the aesthetic part goes away, really. Like the experiential part of physical fitness and a 
good standard of health are unbelievably power when mm-hmm. powerful when you actually feel them. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. I, I, I want to respect your time because I know um, we're coming. That's up. all good. It's a good conversation. I'm just going with the flow. Today, awesome. so. I, can I ask one question? <laughs> sure. How did this affect um, your relationship with your kids? Oh, with my kids. Because uh, I know that you're yeah. probably like you're a fit guy. You probably run around with them and go yeah. do all of their little adventures. How did this process kind of affect your relationship with the people close to you? Yeah. Uh, so I'll talk about my girls first. Uh, this time around, they were, they were 9 and 11 versus the first time I did it. They were mm-hmm. just like babies. So they were more aware of the food. <laughs> and so it was really hard because I sat down with me and my ex-wife and um, kind of said, hey, let's talk to the girls. Like, here's what's going to happen. You know, daddy's going to be eating all this food. You That doesn't mean you can eat the food too, but <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to be eating it. But I'll, but we also said, Hey, the food's going to be in the house. You know, will you be able to have some of it for sure? But they saw how I changed and they hated the, uh, the journey. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. there were times where when you're sleep deprived for four months straight, you're not the nicest person sometimes. And so like, yes, my patience wasn't mm-hmm. what it was. My ability to handle stress sometimes. So I was shorter with them sometimes. And they would easily blame that on the journey. So they would go to my ex-wife and say, we want daddy to stop this because he's mean or, you know. Do you know, I wish I could blame my shortness and my irritability on my obesity. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, girls, you can't just blame all of it on this because I still have to like discipline you and mm-hmm. you still have to listen to me. And it's frustrating if you don't listen the first time. So um, they were they were pretty understanding of it, but they did like the fact that there was food in the house, yeah. uh, junk food, you know, because uh, I was eating it. And I did give them treats. But I will say this, like, as I became lazier, mm-hmm. it became harder for me to, like, meal prep their food because I'm like, dude, I'm exhausted. I'm hungry. I just – let me just warm up two pizzas, you know, and, mm-hmm. like – I don't care. Like, okay, yes. fine. Have the pizza. You know what I'm saying? It's so the like, dark side. Exactly. Yeah. So it made me realize there's parents out there that are trying to be healthy. They're mm-hmm. trying to have their kids eat healthy, but then life gets in the way, finances, stress. And you're like, you know what? Screw it. DoorDash, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mac and cheese. Like I get that aspect of it. Uh, they I saw them just uh, two days ago and we went bowling and stuff. And like, they're like, we want to see your tummy. And like, it was, it was <laughs> smaller than what it was. And they're mm-hmm. like, and they notice a difference. They're like, yeah, we can tell that you're happier, you're more alert, you're more awake. Um, there was one other relationship that I know that we're running out of time, but like no, no, no. went through a breakup that sucked with a girlfriend that of two years. And we joked oh, during during the, the journey. So we joked before this journey saying, you know, I was like, I'm going to make you sign a contract so you can't break up with me during this journey <laughs> because I knew it was going to change. I knew yeah. like it was going to affect me. But I didn't realize how much it was going to affect me. And we had problems before our the journey started, I feel like this journey just amplified those problems because no she's, you know, a woman mm-hmm. and sometimes there's hormones that change. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I feel like I was more of a woman too, cause my hormones <laughs> were changing <laughs> as well. So you got two women in a relationship and it was really hard, really, really hard because we had those same issues that weren't resolved yet. Mm-hmm. And my ability to handle the stress of those issues was not what it used to be where I was more Zen and peaceful and yeah. working through it. Now I'm just like reactive. And so, yeah, it causes us to break up. I mean, the journey didn't cause us to break up. The problems that were there were just amplified. And yeah. it. so going through this stressful journey on top of a breakup was probably the lowest point of my life, even after my divorce. I went through a divorce six years ago. This on top of uh, – or this was harder or darker than my divorce was. 
Wow. You know, and that's what I, I also wanted to make people more aware of. Like, your relationships are affected by the food you eat. Absolutely. You know, like people don't realize that if yeah. you're, you're not sleeping through the night, your hormones are, are, are shifting. Your ability to handle stress with your loved one is not the same as when you're in a healthy state. Honestly, so, when, and I didn't know any of that. So thank you for sharing uh-huh. because I think it is super useful. And a lot of times when Michael and I, or we do a project, I mean, it goes back to movies that we've done as well. We start taking people through a process and it's like, okay, well, what is your relationship like? Is mm. this going to affect a negative or a positive? And you know, still to this day, when I take on nutrition clients, it's like, hey, let's do this together. Yeah. I do not need another client for sure. <laughs> but this is going to be so much more of a successful process if we can get you both on board. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think it's so useful as a parent to see like, look, I want to run around with my kids. I want to do all of these fun things. And I want to teach my child how to eat yeah. healthier. So they're not in the same position that I am in right now. <laughs> I think it'll be a good learning experience for them. My girls will see the both sides of me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. go through the, the weight gain phase and then losing the weight. They'll see me get back to like, oh, there's our dad. There you are, you know. Um, so they'll be able to see both sides of it. Will they eat less? Doritos and Cheetos, hopefully, but like, you know, I can't control that. But my hope is that they learn something from this too. There's a really interesting thing that I pulled out of that. The, the last there is that like six years ago, you went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously with the, the, the mother of your, your yeah. children, yep. um, six years ago, you were in a, you know, a, a, a healthy fit condition. Yes. And true. so emotionally, it wasn't the same as oh, this other, you know, as the relationship now where a pandemic, which put a huge mm-hmm. like stress, like the number of people um, that that I know that have had some relationship challenges, let's say <laughs> um, in, in 2020, yeah. um, had increased a lot over over normal. But then to go through a breakup, not only during the pandemic, but also in this condition where you you know, you had hormonal changes going on due to, and, and, and uh, uh, some other unhealthy cofactors, you know, that were influencing, you know, every discussion that you had with her. Um, I think that's fascinating. Some that that people should maybe recognize is like, man, if we're going to, if we're going to do this divorce thing, maybe we should both um, put ourselves in the best possible condition so that we don't have an absolutely miserable that's that's what they mean by strength and conditioning (laughs) that's a good observation though that's a really good observation though and that's i I did have people reach out to me saying man this really hit home for me Mm -hmm. because i realized like when i'm not sleeping through the night my hormones shift and i'm not treating my spouse the way i should and so like it makes it makes people more motivated that's what my hope was was to make them more self-aware of like oh i see now how cinnamon toast crunch even though it's delicious and tasty you know, can carry over into other aspects of my life, which you don't really think about that at the time. You're just like, yeah. oh, I'm hungry. This is food. It's filling me up. And but people don't. My hope is that people make that connection now. Is, is, yeah, yeah. Is there a consequence beyond the immediate? Yeah. And and also beyond um, what I've been told the consequence will be, which is physical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's um, I think there is. I think there is for a lot of people. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I think people, at least my experience was that, and a lot of people, I, yeah, because if you're sleeping through the night, you're eating healthy food, you're exercising, mm-hmm. you're in a good physical state, and and then that'll most likely ca- carry over into other areas of your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through stress, but your ability to handle that stress is going to be better when you're in a good physical state. Yeah, your your yeah. A, your reaction on average is in a better area. Yeah, so, exactly. and, and that might be something that people, I, we obviously. 
uh, even if you're doing something cognitively, it pays to be a little bit more fit. Yeah. We talked recently about Formula One drivers and actually their fitness regimen to sit into a car is actually quite extreme hmm. because they have to pay attention for so long. But fighter yeah. pilots, drone pilots, even people just like people playing video games, yeah. right? The the more cognitively aware I have to be, the better the system has to be as a whole. Hmm. One last question. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you ever want to... Was there a point where you were close to quitting? Yes. After we went through the breakup, mm. I had a really, really low point. Um, but the thing that helped me push through or that you know I decided to keep going was six months ago, seven months ago in June... I ran a hundred mile yeah. run in 24 hours for the first time in my life. Like I accomplished it. And I remember there was a few moments during that run where I wanted to quit, where I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, everything hurts. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm exhausted. This is so hard. And I remember like, at, you know, I think it was at mile 80 mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm only 20 miles away though. Like I'm almost there. Like I, I don't want to quit now. And so that mentality, I remember that. And during those low moments, I was like, look, I'm almost there this is hard, but I'm going to keep moving forward, even though it sucks and it hurts. And like, I'm dealing with these other emotions. I, f I felt for me, I, I needed to keep pushing forward and finish it. Mm. Like I said, it was going to. So nice. I'm not going to quit gaining this weight. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? It sounds I'm so not, ridiculous. I'm, so I'm not a quitter. I'm not a yeah, quitter. I know. This bowl of cinnamon toast crunch is getting finished. I will not yeah. quit. Just give me all the food. Well, yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking thank the you guys time for having me on. To, yeah. to come also, you know, thank you for sharing the intimate details uh, of, mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah. I'm sure a, a lot of that will really relate to a lot of people. And I'm glad there's some people that are willing to share it. So, yeah. Thank you guys for Where having Where can me people find you and about your process? And if they want to jump on, we'll try to post this as fast as possible so people sure. can jump on. Yeah. Super simple. Uh, my website is fit to fat to fit.com with the number twos. And mm -hmm. then all my social media handles are all the same fit to fat to fit with the number two. Okay. So cool. very simple. Thank nice. you very much, Drew. Thank you guys for having yeah. me on. It's a pleasure. Thanks, yeah. Drew. Thank you. And yeah. um, Godspeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good luck, man. Yeah, on the journey back to fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.